0: We've been to all four corners of Britain in our quest to interview the great and good of entertainment. Comics, actors, writers, politicians, singers, dancers and choreographers. It doesn't matter who they are. They've all given me their own take on the world they live in and have, in their own way, helped to define what makes Britain great. So, join me and my assistants as we get another insight into the marvellous and enigmatic world of showbiz here on Beyond the Title.
1: Hanforth parish councillor Jackie Weaver became an overnight internet sensation in November 2021 when footage of the now infamous heated Zoom parish council meeting went viral and made her an international internet sensation. Embracing her unlikely rise to fame, Jackie released a handbook for getting things done without fuss, entitled You Do Have the Authority Here, and is about to embark upon a live comedy show at the Bedford in Balham. I caught up with the unexpected star of lockdown to talk authority, fame, and her hopes for the future. Ladies and gentlemen, Jackie Weaver. Okay, so firstly, it's been a mad few months for you. How have you processed your unlikely and remarkable rise to fame?
2: Well, I think that's the secret. I don't think I've processed any of it. (laughs) I mean, it has been so incredibly busy that it really is. I've never really been. I, I, I don't practice what I preach. I think it's really important that we live in the moment, but I've never managed to find out how to do that. So this year has all been about, no matter what you're doing in this moment, part of you is planning what's coming up next. Yeah. That makes sense. And, and so that, um, when, I, when I work, um, you know, before the pandemic, remember there was actually a time before the pandemic, um, I used to do training sessions or meetings um, and I might have to travel an hour, an hour and a half to, to get there, get back. And I would use that time to process. Now that's all gone, we're working from home, so there's no journey from from work to home, so there's no kind of separation of work and home. Um, And so, yeah, I'm going to process this in about, I don't know, February next year, probably.
3: (laughs)
1: What was the moment you realised when all this was taking off?
2: Again, I, I I can kind of talk about that, but I'm mindful when I talk about it, it now feels like I'm telling you the story. Mm. um and again it doesn't feel like a lived experience for me so you know the story is um how um a girlfriend colleague um texts me to say um you're trending number three now trending i didn't understand (laughs) i didn't even know i had a twitter account i can't remember the last time i ever used it and i did that thing where you know when people don't really understand what i suppose you get this a lot don't really understand what you said but we do that kind of nervous, uh, uh, you know, to, to make a go of it. Yeah. Um, and so that's exactly what I did on the text version of, um, of that. And then she comes back a bit later and says, even more excited text, you're um, trending number one. And I thought, well, I better ask somebody about this. So I asked my son on account of son, by definition, being a younger person, Um, and he just said something like don't worry about it mum, it'll be a mistake (laughs) so I thought right, okay, put that one to bed and never gave it another thought until the following morning when you would have thought they'd found a body in the garden because we live in a very rural place, Um, the lane was blocked with cars there was a lovely orderly queue of um, nice young reporters all wanting to ask me about Hanforth, and I am thinking what the hell happened in Hanforth? What have I missed? Because the actual meeting took place back in December, and now we're in February. So the meeting with Hanforth. Um, what about the last thing on my mind? And all I could think of was. Did I miss something? You know, you, that, that kind of thought that goes through your head is something like that's how my mind works anyway. You know, did Stuart come in in his underwear and give me a cup of tea partway through the meeting? You know, <laughs> I just missed that or something. Um, because I say, I, I'd well and truly. Oh
1: no. Hello?
2: Yeah, that's weird.
1: Oh. Yeah, here you go. You're back again.
2: <laughs> Quite gone. I was somewhere in the ether, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. You're stuck in between.
2: <laughs> um, yeah. So um, uh, yeah, that's that's how it started, and every kind of week thereafter was around that. I can't believe this has lasted another week. The other thing is, I'm absolutely obsessed with Twitter followers. <laughs> I feel like they're a little collection, and I need another one. So that I've gone from, oh, I I think I must have had two followers at some point, to um, now I've got nearly 40,000. And it's kind of like, but couldn't a few more just join? And then I'd be really on 40,000. And Stuart, my husband, says to me, well, what are you going to do when you hit 40,000? I said, well, then I'm going to fret about why it's not 45. And then (laughs)
1: 50,000 and 100,000. (laughs) <laughs>
2: yeah,
3: that's
1: that's what Josh thinks.
3: I, I Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Josh likes it each time he gets a new follower because it's like that seal of approval almost a <laughs> little uh, yeah.
2: <laughs> and it's quite funny I, I try to find out what it is they want yeah. you know i mean what, what do i mean this is a completely different conversation sorry i'm going off on a track um you know what do my followers want from me you know do they want to hear about local government do they want to hear my sparkling wit uh, do they want my lifestyle tips, you know, fashion, you know, whatever. And it's kind of like you put something out there and think, you know, nobody would be interested in that. Yeah. And it suddenly seems to, I mean, I, I, on New Year's Eve, I posted what I would call a, a fridge magnet post. Do, do you know what I mean? That, that yeah, kind of,
3: yeah.
2: Um, 40,000 likes. <laughs> And something else that you think's really important that people should you know be interested in. 10. Yeah.
3: No? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, that's what Josh finds when he puts out an interview that he's done with somebody. He's just trying to figure out what they're why do they, why do they like it, why have they read it? Or mm. you know, why aren't they reading it? And so on and so forth, you know, trying to fig- figure out the, the actual fan base, aren't you?
2: But I guess if we, um, then we would be really wealthy.
1: Yeah. Oh, you've gone, you've gone again. Your pictures, oh, there you go, you're back again. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was looking to see if I'd lost um, connection, but I haven't lost connection. Um, no, no, no. Anyway, um, yeah, yeah. I see that you'd frozen, so I presumed I must have as well. Yeah, if we can work out the secret to that, I think, you know, there you are. You know, millions yeah. will be heading our way.
1: Exactly. <laughs> uh, parish councils are notoriously perceived to be very twee and possibly outdated in TV comedies such as The Vicar of Dibley. Despite the high-profile fallout from the video, which resulted in a handful of resignations, how do you think this has helped to improve the perceived image of parish councils all over Britain?
2: People are starting to notice them. Never mind what the image is. Let's get an image, and then we can worry about crafting it and making it into something else. I mean, I've been involved in local councils for 25 years, and I'm horrified. At the lack of knowledge that people have of them, you know, you'll say to someone, "Do you have a parish council in your area?" Well, "I don't know." "Why don't you know?" <laughs> you know, it's not that I'm I'm a political creature. Um, I, I'm not. Um, my, my views on politics uh, I would be equally abusive of most of the parties, um, but certainly at local level, you know, when you, when you have you talk about potentially being outdated, you have a tool there that is so underused. I mean, the way I think of it is that, um, particularly since I went back to work, feels like hundreds of years ago after I had the children, um, I've always been time poor. Um, So I I don't get involved in community events, it's not my thing anyway, but my excuse is I'm, I'm time poor. But because both my husband and I have worked, we have money. I don't say we've got a sheds a load of money, but we've got money. And a parish council enables everyone, both the people who have money and the people who haven't, who have other things that they can contribute, to make the community work. So mug me for my money, and then I feel better about the fact that I am contributing to local services that we can all enjoy. But don't ask me to bake a bloody cake. <laughs> there's lots of people who are in that position you know young professionals for example you know don't necessarily want to spend time you know manning the cake store obsessed with cakes obviously Um, or you know any of the things that you do to raise money locally you know and that's great and I'm not saying we shouldn't do that but by raising a local tax a local precept, which is what your parish council does it means everyone can contribute not just the people who have time my example, to bake the cake. Yeah. We don't, we're not recognising that. Yeah. You know, and it's, I guess for me, it's, it, it's kind of like what I've tried to do this year, it, it just kind of pushed this to anyone who will listen. Because I, I suppose what you eventually recognise is that, although I feel I'm constantly saying the same thing, you're always reaching a slightly different audience. Um, so you do have to keep saying the same thing over and over and over again. And again, the other thing is that because of the, um, um, I don't know, notoriety, whatever you want to call it, I get invited to more things. So people invite me to address different audiences. And there's another group of people that I haven't had the opportunity to talk to about Parish Council. Chipping away at him.
1: Yeah. During the pandemic, we've all been forced to adapt to alternative ways of interacting with people. In your opinion, how has video conferencing created its own social discourse, which may not be appropriate in a face-to-face environment?
2: That may not be appropriate in a... Right, so I, it's, it's a kind of question, do I think that virtual meetings Kind of allow worse behaviour. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, no. I actually think it created a, a better and more controllable environment. Okay. So I, sometimes that, I mean, I've been asked that question before. I don't mean that to sound like try harder. <laughs> me when I've not been asked before. Um, But I've been asked that question in a different way before, and it was kind of like, um, did I feel that it was because it was a virtual meeting that they were as awful as they were? No, they are awful. And they would have been awful in a face-to-face meeting. And in a face-to-face meeting, I would have had nothing with which to defend myself. Yeah. So... I think that you do um, you do get more power if you like um, with a virtual meeting. One of the things that I do find though is that it kind of started off feeling really awkward when we were doing these these virtual meetings, um, and then we'd set out kind of like the um, the rules for the meeting, that kind of thing, and it all felt really awkward. You know you're going to be mute switch off your microphones you know yes no bernard you are on mute that's the first one tonight you know that kind of thing it, it all felt really uncomfortable but i think we've got more comfortable with it and we are more likely to be setting rules that we agree with you know that, that the group agree making it easier for the person to chair it because i always think it's much easier to enforce somebody else's rules Than it is to enforce your own. I Mm. want you to behave in this way. It's much harder to present than we've agreed, and I'm just now enforcing your rules.
3: Absolutely.
1: (laughs) So do you think uh, they would have spoken to you in that aggressive way if it was an in-person meeting?
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, nothing would have changed. (laughs) It would have been the same temperament.
2: Yeah. I mean, certainly Aled's iPad. I I mean... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, uh, I, I think it was quite interesting, uh, the uh, reporters, that af- after a while we got started to get on quite well with them and, you know, get find out lots of gossip from them, um, found that um, when they'd gone round to um, interview the others, um, they um, were literally chased down the driveway by the mother. <laughs> so I, I think they're a style family. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you've just written a book uh, you do have the authority here in your opinion how difficult is it to maintain authority when faced with extremely passionate and opinionated figures and what tips would you give to anyone who is facing issues of getting their voice heard and what do you hope to achieve from the reaction to
2: the book all great questions and all answered by you need to buy the book. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that might be the answer, <laughs> but I, I do dedicate a chapter um, to kind of like getting your voice heard, um, and and I guess that I suppose because of the the day job that I do, um, which is about you know sort of solving problems that occur with parish councils. Most of it, I mean, some of it's um, giving them information, but a lot of it is problem solving. Um, one of the things I've learned painfully um over a long period of time is it is much easier to change yourself than it is to change other people if indeed it's even possible to change other people so a lot of what i I talk about is is about how you can change yourself to give give yourself better outcomes basically Um, and i know sometimes that won't sit comfortably with people because sometimes it does sound a little bit like saying to the victim you must change but you know do you want to win the battle Or do you want to just make a point, you know, because if you really want to, if you really want to win this battle, then it isn't about point scoring and some of these you have got to let go. And for me, having your voice heard is about not having your voice heard on every single thing. Like, you know, I say when you go into a meeting, you might have 15 things on the agenda. Now, you may be the really sad kind of person who is passionately interested in all 15 items the likelihood is you're not. So pick what you're going to talk about. Yeah. So that, you know, if I go to a meeting, um, and in fact if you watch the rest of that meeting, um, you find that I say very little, that there's there's nothing for me to say, they don't need me to, you know, they don't need me to contribute. So it's about making sure that when you speak you have something important to say. Yeah. Yeah not just that I have to speak on every item because I mean we've all done it you know that person who you know they put their hand up to speak in Europe. (laughs) Yes Bernard. (laughs) Lovely to hear from you again Bernard.
3: (laughs) (laughs)
1: And a lot of the time it's what you don't say which is actually significant.
2: The other thing is that people run out of steam. You know, when it's coming up to that one item that you're really keen on speaking on and yet you're absolutely desperate to get your points across. If you just sat there for a moment or two saying nothing, the others would run out of steam. Before you're then trying to make it So again, a lot of it is about what you can do for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, ah, I could say, it's easier to change how you interact with people than it is to make other people change.
1: In the last few months, you've become a bit of a celebrity yourself, appearing everywhere from the Big Fat Quiz of the Year to the Jeremy Vine Show. In your opinion, to what extent is your fame a byproduct of the extraordinary times that we're living through?
2: It must be, (laughs) because um, I I am incredibly ordinary and have managed to exist on this earth for 62 years without anybody ever really noticing me. (laughs) So something changed and it was not me.
1: if you can answer this um what's the most bizarre thing you've been asked to do over the last few months, or what's the weirdest request
2: None of them seem terribly weird now <laughs> 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 because they're just so varied um gosh what's Talking about two different things, so talking about, you know, what people, members of the public might ask me to do, as opposed to what, you know, businesses and organisations and things might, might ask me to do. I'm often surprised at how the public relate to you. So that, you know, you'll have someone, um, I had somebody write to me today telling me how they um, are an A-level student in politics could they have an autograph, that kind of thing, telling me a little bit about themselves. And it's written in a very polite, you know, I'm sorry to bother you, you know, thank you for taking the time to, to read this, that kind of thing. Lovely, so replied to, to him. And then others that that kind of approach you with a sense of entitlement. Um, and you know, would you endorse our care home? Um, well, uh, I haven't actually stayed in your care <laughs> yeah. I'm managing on my own, you know, with Stuart. Oh. Oh. <laughs> okay. why, why would I? <laughs>
1: well, what are they trying to say? <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I thought that that was, um, and, and I just replied saying, "You know, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't know your your care home, so it would be appropriate for me." Another one was a garden centre that said, "Would you endorse our products, please?" <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know what your products are like. They might be really good, or they might be rubbish. Mm. Why don't you send me something? Never heard back from them. Mm. It, it's kind of like that strange. Say like two different types of reaction. You know, one that kind of feels that they an ownership of you in some way, and the other where you know they, they, they really treat you like you know, princess, you know, which is awesome. In terms of businesses, um, I suppose the oddest thing I've been asked to do was, um, to um. Get made up um, with prosthetics and um, etc. Um, as one of The Walking Dead. The video is out there. Um, it's an advert for um, when the star on the Disney Plus channel got series 1 to 10 of The Walking Dead. Yeah. And they ran a competition whereby if you won the competition, then a professional zombie, yes, there is such a thing. Um, would turn up at your zoom meeting and take your place so that you can um, effectively go and do something more interesting um, and that was um, that was out of this world literally. there was a crew of ten turned up. Um, two professional zombies to take part in the, um, the little bit of filming we did. It was, it was headshots only. It wasn't, you know, um, I didn't have to run across the field chased by zombies. Um, and then in we had to start early because in the afternoon, I was then back to being Jackie, doing a training session online for 20 counsellors. And I suppose for me, that was the that day sticks out in my mind as being the most... Yeah. Yeah. I I guess, I suppose where both lives kind of butted up to each other in the one day. You know, it's kind of like, you know, you're you're there doing this presentation to councils about, Mm. I think it was chairmanship or something. Um, You know, still picking out bits of um, um, plaster and stuff from your hair, you know. I think, and it kind of it was real but it wasn't real and I suppose that's what I meant when we started talking earlier about the processing time because there's never really um other than perhaps talking to yourselves that opportunity to process it how did it feel
1: yeah yeah
2: the other and, thing is that everyone just assumes you can do this
1: yeah and you'll just be willing to do anything and you're just capable of anything
2: but it's, it's not so much the willingness it's the capable. Yeah i mean the um you mentioned um the um Jimmy Carl's Christmas quiz um and that was um it wasn't live it was recorded, but there was a live audience um and then you have a script um told where to stand what camera to look at um but what I've found is particularly with comedians, they never stick to the script. So although I look at the script and get a kind of feel for where it's going, I don't learn it, you know, as, 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 in a, you know um, as by rote, if you like, because as soon as you go on, they go off script. So if you're desperately trying to find where you are in the script now, forget it. So you're now there, cameras live, really bright studio, lots of people in the audience. Um, and you just have to react to whatever comes next. You no? Know? Because it, it certainly wasn't what we had on the script.
1: Especially when you have someone like Jimmy Carsted right next to you. You've just got to be ready and just, I suppose you're watching it, his every move, every second of the time you're there.
2: Well, none of that was planned. Yeah. Where he, he gives me the podium, Yeah. that and... was not in the script at all. Yeah. The questions that were asked from the panel, none of that was scripted.
1: No, I can
3: imagine.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, then you've got people like Jonathan Ross who like to go off on a tangent anyway and sort of mix it up, don't you?
2: That's right
1: yeah
2: but when i was standing in the wings waiting to go on um i said to the producer you know have you have you literally had anybody get to this point and go i just can't do this (laughs) no but it's been close
1: (laughs) so um we touched upon it earlier before we started recording but um you're trying your hand at a bit of live comedy at the Bedford in Ballam on the 6th of February. How did this come about and what can we expect?
2: Oh, goodness. Um, how did it come about? I, I, I am a sucker for a nice young man. I mean that in the oh, night. Nice- no. <laughs> <laughs> so, nice young man called Giles from um, Gideon Comedy. Um, contacts me and it's, um, it starts with a podcast and says, would I like to do a podcast? I have no idea what podcast is. <laughs> recorded six episodes before I realised that it was audio only. I thought it was video. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's one where, um, oh, God, who is it? Um, oh, I'm awful at names. Comedian. Um... Oh gosh, can't think of his name. Um it'll come to me like that, that kind of like Tourette's moment where it just pops straight into your head. Um, mm-hmm. and he's he's describing something, he's holding it, and I'm thinking, it's to have a lot of trouble to describe. <laughs> See what he's got, you know. Um, and that's you know, then it kind of twigged. I was discussing it with Giles afterwards. yes, because it's audio only, describing it for the audio. <laughs> anyway. um, so anyway. so did several um, um, podcasts. They they were huge fun, and the format would be um, um, people on my Twitter account would send in questions. Some of them were a little bit you know serious. Most of them were, were kind of very light hearted, um, and we would then discuss them with the with the guest. And Giles said, "What about doing it as a live show?" And I can't for the life of me remember why I said yes. <laughs> so um, in effect. The the way I'm selling it to myself is it's a bit like the podcast. So um, it's, um, Mm -hmm. we'll be round a table, um, we'll keep the format a little like you'd expect a council meeting to be, and we will be answering, trying to answer life's challenging questions. I think the example I use is, you know, is it ever acceptable to wear sandals with socks? <laughs> These yeah. questions need bottoming.
1: Up. Yeah, they do. do. That's right at the top of the list. <laughs> uh, have you been approached by any film directors or producers to transform your story into a film? And if so, have you had any ideas of who you would like to portray yourself?
2: Well, f- why can't I portray myself? I would be really good at being me. <laughs> <laughs> No, I haven't, um, but I think if I was going to have someone play me, um, or oh, Helen Mirren,
1: yeah. Oh yeah, strong yeah. shout, yeah, strong choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can make it an all-star cast. You could cast the rest of the uh, Zoom call. Who, who else would uh, be in those sort of uh, roles? Wow,
2: that would be really interesting, wouldn't it? But I am actually rubbish at names. So, <laughs> do you think that possibly Tom Cruise for iPad? And I know Tom Cruise isn't <laughs> kind of like <laughs> He's got that energy. Hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. that frantic uh, energy.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. yeah, I wasn't implying he was an angry man. I don't know is yeah. or not, but yeah. <laughs>
1: I'm sure it'll be available. I'm sure we could talk to (laughs) him.
3: Yeah,
1: it could be quite an easy job because he could just pre-record his bits at home, you know, and it could just be edited as uh, a Zoom call. yeah
2: (laughs) Yeah. in fact there was i think there is actually going to come a point where none of us ever need to leave our homes again i've just done a panto run in uh, crew without leaving the house
1: all right Uh, did you appear on the screen in the background or
2: yeah Yeah. um except you wouldn't know it was it, it was very well done um so I I it, it's as if um it, it's Sleeping Beauty, um and they've run me up to consult me on something. Um so they've got a Zoom link um and I appear on the Zoom link and the actors are um interacting with the Zoom link as if it was in real time. pretty crazy. Oh wow. Okay. Well I mean you can put together a whole film like that, all we just need a really good editor or something.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: Jack Jack Whitehall.
1: Uh, well, on the podcast, yes. yeah. Oh, wow. oh, brilliant. Okay, uh,
2: um, and uh, he, he was hilarious, but I did get the feeling that he was he really toned it down like he was doing a podcast with his mom. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure <laughs> <laughs> he's still really racy, but yeah. it still kind of felt that he, you know, kind of being a bit respectful,
1: keeping out at a certain level. Yeah, <laughs> uh, looking back at your rise to fame, what's been the standout moment so far?
2: Doing the archers was great fun, um, and that did, did kind of feel like an honour. Um, oh, and then I did, um, I was invited to the, um, the local government chronicle, and um, they have an, an annual awards um, evening, and they invited me to to this awards evening, oh my god, it was huge. It was 1500 there, lovely hotel in, um, in London. Um, and when I got up on the stage, I got a standing ovation. I was just giving out one of the awards. And I was really yeah. because, <laughs> of course, these are people who you know, are from local government. Yeah, you know, it's kind of, um, and it, it, it's such a kind of prestigious event that well, I would never have been invited to it two years ago. <laughs> oh, oh, me,
3: oh yeah,
1: but they probably look at you as uh like a hero or a bastion of like what you hope, what they hope to achieve
2: and and also sadly yeah. Um, I, I think that the kind of behaviour that you saw there is something that many officers have come across. Yeah. I, mean, about. Yeah. So I, I was in a really, I was in a really kind of um, fortunate place. Fortunate's not the right word. Um, I, I don't work for that council. Um, they don't pay my wages. Mm. Um so it wasn't the same as, as as standing up to your own boss you no. so yeah. i i didn't have a lot yeah. to you know and I, I think that if you're you know if, if you're in a work situation like that and these are your employers then that's well they suspended the clerk of course um then that's a very a very different game um so I, i'm very mindful of that that it, you know I, I was in a I was in a unique position in that regard. Yeah.
1: And uh, finally, uh, what's next for Jackie Weaver?
2: We'll get through February. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I've always assumed that tomorrow nobody will be interested. You know, can I keep checking my Twitter numbers just to see if I'm still popular. <laughs> um, and, you know, suddenly, you know, 30,000 people will desert me, I, I think, I'll have to get the line out. Uh, but it, it's kind of, my diary's already filling up with people asking me if I'll, I'll speak at events, that kind of thing. Mm. I've got um, a presentation later this month talking to the, um, the northern branch of the National Union of Journalists. Um, all sorts of people kind of have a feel they have a connection with me. In I think in terms of that um, being an officer, um, being kind of perceived as somebody who who works within a rule book, you know, sort of a, a governance framework, if you like. Um, so I get adopted by quite a few organisations that you wouldn't automatically think of as as having you know resonance with um, the town and parish councils. So um, I do a lot with schools and. Um, the new academies, that kind of thing, again, looking at and um, talking with their governors and their boards, etc, about the importance of, you know, um, the importance of the role, but also the need to sort of recognise that, you know, you don't actually run the show. <laughs> so it's putting that kind of tactfully to, to people in a way that they, you know, they feel both valued, but don't feel that actually the organisation works for them. And so many of these things, actually, once you start to get into them, um, begin to sound like the same kind of issues that come up with local councils. You know, that often surprises me. You start off thinking, Hmm. well, I don't see the connection here. And then, actually, as as you start to talk, some of the issues they face, the wording is different, the phraseology is different, but actually the issue is the same. I suppose, at the end of the day, it all boils down to
3: personal relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. That was
1: quite a Yeah, that's a great way to end. Um, thank you so much for your time today. You're
3: welcome. Been fun?
1: It's
3: been good. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah Joshua will let you know when the interview goes out onto his website uh, and onto Twitter and all those things.
3: Uh, you have when you want to go
1: uh Josh was wondering, do you have any date in particular that you'd like him to put this onto his website? Are you quite open to any yeah
2: yeah, my goodness, you, you, you're confusing me with someone who plans.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, not at all. But um, as soon as you do, um, I'd, I'd happily promote it to my 40,000 um, fans on Twitter.
1: Much, much appreciated.
2: <laughs> <laughs> thank you.
1: Yeah, thank you very much.
2: meet you both. Um, it, it's a, an interesting experience.
0: Thank you to our guest for being the subject of another Beyond the Title interview. If you liked this, why not browse the website and see if there's anything else that takes your fancy. Don't forget to like our Facebook page to receive updates on forthcoming interviews and to see more information about me and what I do. Thanks again and hopefully see you next time.